Greetings and salutations, and welcome to This Ends at Prom. A coming-of-age podcast highlighting cinema about or marketed towards teen girls. I'm one of your hosts, BJ Colangelo, and I'm joined by my wife. Harmony Colangelo, a trans woman who grew up watching none of these movies. Is today's movie a queen bee? Or are we killing the teen dream? Get in, loser. We're analyzing the movies people make fun of us for loving. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. Supersonic, idiotic, disconnected, not respected. Who would ever really want to go and top that? I want to be the most popular girl. You sound as if you swallowed a frog made of gravel. I, prom party, I need you to understand that allergies are absolutely ravaging the Colangelo household, specifically (laughs) me. Yeah, it's been very... Cold isn't the right word because we know what cold actually feels like. It's been it's been overcast, but just warm enough that like things are blooming, but it's still like damp. Which, mm-hmm. when you're not used to it being damp in Los Angeles and kind of cold at night, and these ups, it's just a whole lot, and my vocal cords cannot take it. <laughs> but we have to record today because we are out of time for this week. Yeah, because Harmony is a cool lady who has a lot of cool jobs now. Dude, I'm so tired. <laughs> So yes, our, uh, our our timing is a little bit more stringent. Is that the word that I want to use? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. But luckily, we are talking about a movie today that I hope will bring everyone some much needed summer joy. This is a movie that's been kind of pushed around the schedule a lot because we keep thinking to ourselves, oh, we should do this around Halloween. It's Teen Witch, you know, witches. That's a Halloween movie. Nothing about this movie screams Halloween. This is no. a movie that can be done year-round. It feels very summery because it's set in Los Angeles. So fuck it. It's June. It's campy as hell. That fits for Pride Month. We're doing Teen Witch. We're going to go into this more when we do context, but the fact that this was supposed to be a girl Teen Wolf movie, mm-hmm. and we did Teen Wolf for October last year on the Patreon, and it was like, yeah, why did we do this? I don't this know. This is so not a horror movie <laughs> and not spooky in the slightest. It's like basically Airbud. Yeah, it really is. It's Airbud, but because witches are associated with spookiness, everyone's like, oh, I guess it's a Halloween movie. Yeah. It's not. This is n- nothing about this as Halloween. It's, this is less Halloween than the Olsen twins doing a Halloween movie. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, at least in that one, they have actual like magical creatures and Halloween costumes. This is just like a teen movie that happens to have magic. I mean, it's it's giving I Dream of Genie. Yeah. Kind of more than it is anything spooky. Yeah, it's definitely under that kind of umbrella of just, oh, hey, now there's magic. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) So, Harmony, what was your knowledge of Teen Witch before this episode? I mean, it's top that. Mm -hmm. That's what you knew? Start. That is the start and the end of that story is, oh, I'm aware of Teen Witch because top that is the most hilarious and white scene I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Look. The teen movie genre, especially coming-of-age movies for girls, is a 
painfully white genre. Lily white. This is the literal whitest thing that has ever happened in I mean, a teen movie. I mean, something that works in the favor of most teen movies is not a lot of them make their main characters rap. That's because it really, true. it really exposes like exactly how white they are. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I mean, if you want to be generous, like this is that old school form of hip hop, the one that like that classic Donald Glover stand up bits about, which is like, I went down to the hat store and bought myself a hat. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those, but. Uh, yeah, no, that that was my entirety. That, that, that was the entire knowledge I had of this, other than people going, I like this movie. Okay. <laughs> so a question that I have for you is, knowing top that, knowing that people like this movie, why did you not ever seek out watching it? I don't know. I had shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, I can't really argue I mean, with that. I mean, if you want the honest truth, it's like, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long enough time, you know that like witches are not my thing. Mm-hmm. I like to work a little bit more in the factual than the mythical. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, there's there's some comparisons that could be drawn to the craft in mm-hmm. more ways than one. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I mean, in terms of subject matter, it's not my bread and butter. But beyond that, it's like, no, nothing can be as good as this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is clearly the best scene in the movie. So, like, <laughs> what can possibly, in fact, top that? <laughs> so, uh, so, so, what about you? What's, what's your experience with this movie? Because I'm pretty sure that you watched this growing up. Oh, of course I did. Yeah, I absolutely watched this growing up. I loved it. But what was weird is that I wasn't super attracted to the witch aspect of it. Like, that... I'm I mean, very it's much not really a huge aspect of this movie. Yeah, I'm with you about witchy stuff. Like, I get it. I'm cool. Like, that's cool. Um, I've gotten more bitter towards witchy stuff in my older age because, you know, we're just currently in an era right now where a lot of members of our community are using things like astrology and magical thinking and witchiness um, as like their own form of discrimination in community. And that rubs me the wrong way in I, ways that I can't fully encapsulate. I feel like we're leveling out. I think so too. I think in the last year or so, I have noticed it leveling out where people aren't like, you're a Gemini, I hope you get hit by a car. Right. Where there's not a whole lot of like, I'm a Scorpio, so I'm allowed to be a bitch to you. It's part of the stars. I'm like, no. <laughs> so people people are chilling out. I think that it's not as bad anymore. Mm-hmm. I do agree so, with that. But for like, say like, we'll give it three years ago, stretched back like eight years before that, there was just a window where... Everyone I personally, this is anecdotal, obviously, but everyone I interacted with who cited the stars and astrology was a jerk about it. Yeah. They were really mean about it. And then they were mean to me because I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. So because of that sort of stuff, I've, you know, had not super great feelings about anything to do with like witchcraft as of late. And, you know, that's that's changing. Luckily, it is. But as a kid, I preferred my witchcraft to be spookier. I Mm -hmm. liked it to be straight up horror. So this was kind of like Halloween Town. I want Halloween Town, (laughs) damn it. Yeah, like that was very much my thing. Uh, You know, there's like the Pen15 episode of they watch the craft and suddenly think they're magic. Like that was real. Mm -hmm. Like that's absolutely real. But Teen Witch, like magic doesn't work that way. So it never felt like it was related in, in some way. But what attracted me to Teen Witch 
is that this movie is campy as fuck and that this movie has ridiculous costuming and great musical numbers because this is a musical that's not a musical but is a musical. And, of course, that is going to resonate with me very deeply. So, yes, I watched a lot of Teen Witch. Uh, This is one of those movies that if it was on TV, I would let it play. I would be like, oh, well, I guess we're watching Teen Witch today. The universe has decided. Man, we're so different. There was a prompt going around Twitter today going like, what's your comfort action film? And I thought about it and I was like, Dude, it might be Con Air. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, there's a good chance it might be Con Air because that's what I was watching as a kid. Where I was like, well, I mean, Con Air's on. You got to finish watching it, right? You got to watch them fly that Corvette into a watchtower. And <laughs> Nicolas Cage has to say, put the bunny back in the box. And they have to fucking crash into Las Vegas. Meanwhile, I'm like, I just need to watch a movie where Joshua John Miller is eating cake like 90% of the time he's on screen. God, he is the pinnacle of I'm fat. That's my character. I'm fat, so I eat things. Yeah, it, we'll definitely talk about that because I, it's so ridiculous. This movie is ridiculous. Like It follows banana pants nonsense logic in ways that I really like, but it, it just it hits a lot of these intersections that make me really happy. But as we will definitely talk about, Teen Witch is a movie that I know so many people love, including myself, but it's a movie that like you really shouldn't think about because the second you think about it, uh, it starts to fall apart and then you're like, wait, no, oh no. But I don't think anybody who likes Teen Witch is like, you know, Teen Witch should have won an Oscar. You know what? (laughs) I agree. (laughs) And the same thing could be said about Connor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I think everybody who loves and appreciates Teen Witch knows that part of its charm is that it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it's campy as hell, and it's June, so it's Pride Month, so you know what? That feels appropriate for us to give a gift to the gays. That's what I was thinking. I think it's perfect timing. Um, so if you somehow have not seen Teen Witch, um, you're missing out. It streams everywhere, so check it out at some point, but here is your synopsis. High school misfit Louise, at a loss for romance, discovers magical abilities, but the teenage witch finds that she cannot conjure herself true love. So what now? That's a weird, weird description for this movie. The Conjuring. (laughs) She's got to conjure love. She's got to conjure love. No, I mean, she can, though. She does. Yeah, she sure does. uh, But is it true love or is it magically manipulated love? You know, I would say that it could go either way. Yeah. I mean, and as it, the, and it this is, movie proves, it, it does. <laughs> it's quite a bit more ambiguous about that, weirdly, than The Craft. It's the only thing it does more subtly than The Craft. That's very true. Because this movie is very after-school special with its morals. Yes, and I'm very okay with that. <laughs> um, so this movie comes out towards the end of the decade uh, in 1989. As we mentioned at the top, this was originally supposed to be the girl answer to Teen Wolf. Uh Um, And Teen Wolf 2. And Teen Wolf 2. And all of the subsequent (laughs) Teen Wolves. Like, I think there's an animated Teen Wolf. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, this is supposed to be the girl answer to that. And as we've learned from things like The Next Karate Kid, uh, people really don't like it when you try to add a little bit of femininity to their boy franchises. True, but I don't know if people really fully made it the, the connection to that. This is kind of like um, in like the 50s and 60s when it was like, I'm a teenage werewolf. I was a teenage Frankenstein. I'm a teenage Frankenstein. Like mm-hmm. It was very much like those where it's like, these aren't connected. It's just everyone going like, what if we take a crack at this? Yeah, it definitely feels that way, which is also why I'm very excited to watch Ruby Gilman Teenage Crack in that animated movie because we really didn't get a we lot like of fish. like, 
Yeah, we didn't get a lot of like teen girl monster movies, and I'm excited about this because teen witches. I mean, it's it's mostly witches and then like ginger snaps. Like yeah. those are our our main like classic monster uh, teen girl movies. Between Luca and Ruby Gilman and The Little Mermaid. The Shape of Water's influence reigns long. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, you are so powerful. <laughs> For real though. Um, but yeah, so this is 1989, and I did a, did a bit of research. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a yarn I can spin you, I believe. Spin me this yarn. So Teen Witch comes out in 1989. It costs $2.5 million. That is nothing. <laughs> it is nothing. Weirdly enough, we caught like the tail end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off on TV yesterday. Ferris Bueller had a budget of $5 million and looks so much more extravagant in comparison to this. Yeah. But I think John Hughes probably could call in some favors. Yeah, like, yeah. He got the Beatles for his movie. Right. So like, <laughs> let's just throw that out there. But Teen Witch did not make money. Mm-mm. It made about $27,000. Yikes. A very, very big bomb. In the long term, this benefited the film because it cost so little because it was such a colossal failure mm-hmm. that it got put on TV a lot and on Cinemax, and that's how a lot of people ended up discovering and loving this one. Mm-hmm. It did very well aftermarket and rentals and reruns. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the context of 89 is concerned, I think there's a few reasons this movie doesn't do well. So one, we're a little far removed from like the Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf 2 and all of that. Not that I'm positive people were really making a lot of connections between that. But Probably if you, not. If you want to be a cynic, people don't like it when girls dabble in the boys' things, even though witches are traditionally a feminine monster creature thing anyway. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I think the teen movie genre is just starting to get very tired by the end of the decade. It is. It's eating itself. So if you want to look at the... Other releases that we've covered are our alum from this year. You have Kiki's Delivery Service, which was not localized immediately, mm-hmm. so that one can sort of just be removed. Mm-hmm. You have Troop Beverly Hills, uh, which, which underperformed. It does underperform, but the one thing it does share with this movie is that they are both campy as fuck. True. It just doesn't have the comedic powerhouse of Shelley Long. No. Oh, nothing can. No. She's, she's <laughs> untouchable. You have Miss Firecracker, also underperforms. Yeah, yeah. And you have Heather's famously underperforms. Yeah, that's the one that I think historically people tend to forget because it has become such a cultural powerhouse and is referenced so often. But that movie did not perform well at the time. So the genre is starting to collapse. But I think more specifically, if you focus on like the high profile releases, Mm -hmm. there's something that I've noticed. Okay. Other releases from this year include like Dead Poet Society. Mm. It takes place in a school, but it's a period piece private school. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a drama. It's something else. Yeah, it becomes then universal appeal and not teen movie. Yes, you and- have both Back to the Future Part Two Ooh. and Bill and Ted, Ooh. both of which spend as little time in a school as possible because they're science fiction. Right, and also they're boys. And you have Say Anything, Ooh. which is a romance focused on Cusack, and it takes place after graduation. Yeah. So the successful films of this year focus on boys and spend as little time in a high school as possible. Mm. And I think if you also look at like the horror releases for the teen genre, you're looking at Halloween 5, Nightmare 5, and Friday 8. Mm-hmm. So the teen genre is starting to become like an Ouroboros where it's just churning out sequels where Teen Witch is like, well, it's, it means Teen Wolf. Or like Bill and Ted, it's like, well, we'll greenlit it because it's like Back to the Future 1 and that made so much money. Mm-hmm. Where things are just starting to really become reflections of each other. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily unsuccessfully so, but the classic takes place in a high school girl teen formula 
is about to go away and not mm-hmm. come back until Clueless. Because mm-hmm. between now and Clueless, you're looking at releases like Edward Scissorhands, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Hocus Pocus, and, you know, also successful aftermarket film and underrated Next Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. All of those are cult classics in their own right. Mm-hmm. And some of them, in the case of like Edward Scissorhands, did do very well. But most of these are not big deal films. And I think that's really interesting to look at like the films that we get to cover during this like down period of the teen film from the very, very late 80s into the early 90s. Because I think people just don't want this movie during this time. And I think there's also something to be said when you think about movies like Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, where they become cult classics. Part of why they become cult classics is because they just weren't making movies for girls at mm-hmm. the time period anymore. So anything that we liked was a little bit more underground. It, we did become a little bit more protective of it because we didn't have anything else. They weren't box office smashes. Exactly. Because I know so many people who love this movie. And I think we can all say that, you know, objectively, it's a weirdly crafted movie. It's, story it's beats. Odd. Yeah, story beats are a little weird. There's a lot of stuff that's, there's a lot of plot holes. There's the whole rapping aspect of it. Like, it's a weird fucking movie. But we love it. And I do think that a little bit of that love is rooted in the fact that we didn't have anything else. This is a, like the comparison I'll draw to is something you've said on the show before of when we were younger and you would have like one video game a year because that's what you got for Christmas. So you loved that video game and you played it as much as possible because that's what you had. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what movies like Teen Witch are where we weren't getting a lot of movies. So when we did get one that felt like it was quote unquote for us, we embraced the fuck out of it and got very protective because don't take this away. (laughs) I already don't have a lot. Yeah. I mean, also something that is interesting is that if you want to really focus on like the witch aspect of this teen film, there aren't a lot of teen witches yet. No, we haven't gotten there yet. You have Sabrina in the Archie incarnation, but like we're pre Hocus Pocus. We're pre Halloween town. We're pre Double Double Toil and Trouble, we're pretty Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The 90s are going to have a lot of, like, young witch characters. Mm-hmm. Teen Witch is kind of very ahead of the curve for that. It is. You're very right. You're very, very right. And that's definitely going to impact the the, the popularity at the time. But mm-hmm. it makes sense why it would continue to perform well aftermath because we've gotten witch crazy in in the year since oh yeah and i make obviously there's the hex girls there's the craft there's Mm -hmm. there's the spookier witches exactly whereas this is very much like summer california fun witch ad magic right like okay so this movie feels in every way it's designed for young girls but then it also has really adult things that happen in it Yeah. So it's like a very strange mix of shit. This is like a very early Disney Channel original movie kind of energy. Where they could get away with doing some things Mm -hmm. because it's like Disney hasn't gone and became a proper channel. It's still a premium channel. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we can get away with making like a dominatrix joke and wish upon a star. Why not? Right. Exactly. Like that's kind of what this feels like because you're totally right. There are so many things about this movie that feel like, oh, this is for 12 year olds. And then suddenly a teacher is getting naked in school and you're like, holy shit, what is happening? We're going to talk about reproduction. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't give me the call and response there. I'm too tired to it's go. Fine. Reproduction. So you did it there. Oh, it <laughs> took a lot out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we dive in any deeper, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Hey. 
Happy Pride Month, Prime Party. We have some very uh, festive things coming to the Patreon for you this month. For our City Hawkins Dance Teen Boy movies, we're covering two uh, very different movies about gay boys uh, in Pixar's Luca and <laughs> Party Monster. So we're covering quite the spectrum with those films this month. For our musical milestones, we're taking a trip back to the 2000s and discussing kind of embarrassing millennial pride anthems that haven't aged super well. Like, do you remember a time when Same Love by Macklemore and I Kissed a Girl were really triumphant and embraced by a lot of queer people? We're going to talk about those songs and others. And for our TV Homecoming episode, we are wrapping up Freaks and Geeks. Parting is such sweet sorrow as this show definitely did not deserve to go out the way it did. In addition to all of our full-length episodes, you are going to have a somehow slightly gayer than normal playlist, BJ's Wellness Newsletter, and access to the ever-popular Suggestion Box. We're pulling three films from it just for this month alone. If for any reason you're not able to financially support the podcast over on the Patreon this month, we totally understand. Just feel free to leave us a, a nice review, give us a, a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts, and share us with a friend if you think that they'll like what we do. With all that said, back to the movie. Alrighty, so let's start by talking about our titular teen witch, Louise Miller, played by the wonderful Robin Lively, and I'm going to share this fact. I don't know how this is not common knowledge, but apparently it's not. Robin Lively is from a very large acting dynasty family similar to the Arquettes. Um, the one that most of you will probably be able to associate her with is her younger sister, Blake Lively. Star of the Shallows. Star of the Shallows, Blake Lively. Uh, you know, married to Ryan Reynolds, uh, the star of A Perfect Favor, um, and just so many other wonderful films. Accepted. Oh, God, she's so great. Uh -huh. um, also, Jason Lively is her brother who is in Night of the Creeps, a movie that we might cover on the show at some point, because I, mean, I fucking love Night of the Creeps. I also love Night of the Creeps. Maybe on the Patreon. Probably the Patreon. It's, yeah. a, it's more of a boy it's movie. A, it's a boy film, but like... I just love it so much. Thrill me. Oh, God. Uh, so good. So fucking good. So yes, Robin Lively uh, is in this movie, and she's great, and she plays Louise. How do you feel about Louise as the character? I think she is sufficient, but I don't understand her a little bit. Okay. Because she's inconsistent. Agreed. I mean, like, we have magic personality changes, which makes it a little hard, but yeah. yeah. But I feel like she's inconsistent in the way that like teen girls are a little inconsistent where they're like, I want to dress like the girl across the street, but I can't because my parents won't let me, except they do when I have magic. And also the girl across the street who that the one dress that she wears where it's like denim skirt and like the sweater with shoulder pads and she's got boots. Randa, that is such a look. Love that dress. <laughs> oh my God, she has amazing hair. Her hair is so her good. Her hair is so good You're, in this like, whole movie. I know that we're supposed to think Randa's like the mean popular girl, but I'm obsessed with her and I want to be her. She's, she's so cool. She's like such a such a Malibu Barbie type. Yeah, Like she's extravagant. I love her. But like there's this whole thing with like Luis and Polly and they like hate her purely because she's popular. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I guess she's with the boy that they want to be with. So like, they're like, fuck her. She's awful. I'm like, is she ever actually mean to you, though? That, okay. So this is where when you start thinking about Teen Witch for more than five seconds, the movie falls apart. Because Randa is presented as like 
oh my God, she's so sleazy. Oh, Randa had her birthday party the same time you had your birthday party. Oh, she's the worst. And it's like, she's done literally nothing mean this whole movie. She's never bullied them. She's never said anything shitty. She is just living her fucking life and I, they're being haters. I think Louise is like personally feeling victimized because she's not cool. And it's like, well, clearly she made the party the same day as my day birthday on elm street kind of a situation right where it's like, like there's nothing in this here. movie that tells us that that was anything more than just a really shitty coincidence yeah because like i don't i don't want to be fucking rude but like i don't think she even thinks about you right like <laughs> so. that sounds really awful i don't think randa thinks about louise enough to be vindictive towards her because she's that's just not her character we see randa in the locker room just being a goofball, singing musical numbers that are supposed to be cheers, but are actually songs. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's maybe the best example of like, oh yeah, this was supposed to be a musical, but isn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that kind of has like a sleepover vibe. Yeah, which it makes sense in this movie. Yes. It doesn't make so much sense in Princess Diaries two when it's the only scene. Correct. Yeah, it it works in here. So I like Louise for. A couple of reasons. One, I think Robin Lively does such a great job mm. at expressing teenage insecurity. Like there's oh, yeah. something very authentic, very Molly Ringwald, 16 Candles about her, where when she is like looking into herself and feeling not great, I believe that. And I'm like, oh, I remember that feeling. Yeah, I, I see you, Louise. And I think that's part of the relatability. Um, she's also, you know, got this very meek voice for this character. It also helps that they dress her like a librarian who is dressing solely from clothes they found in a church basement. Um, uh, yeah, she looks she looks kind of like a like a detective. She when, has this giant Columbo yeah, coat. She and Polly both have fucking trench coats, which have a very different connotation pre-1999, but I they mean, <laughs> they just look like they're on the case at all times. I mean, it even has a different connotation between now and adventures in babysitting where like, Mm -hmm. that's like a dad's going out on like the Chicago winter kind of coat. Mm -hmm. These are just like long coats in Southern California (laughs) for no reason. Right. I mean, I do also love that we have the the traditional trope of, you know, she's not cool because she has to ride a bike. She doesn't have a car. It's true. That's... She's pretty uncool. That shit is super funny to me. But what's so fascinating, and again, what you think about this movie and it falls apart, is so Louise... You know, she gets a, like, a very conservative kind of, like, sweater vest thing for her birthday from her mom. And her mom's like, isn't it so cute? First off, it is cute. It is a very cute thing. Louise does not know how to style it. You could make a very cute outfit with that and be stylish and hip. Oh, the gays of today would just be like, well, I'm not oh going to wear God, it over yeah. a shirt. It's just going to be the shirt. Right. It, and that's exactly it. Like, it would just be the shirt and it would be so cute. But I feel like in the 80s, if you went out like that, people are like, why are you half dressed? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> um, but then when she goes on a date with uh the the nerdy boy who is also just a hipster if in like our current sort of fashion sense i think you were like that's just rivers cuomo um he looks so much just like a rivers cuomo type like (laughs) particularly nerd up that boy and like make his his name's like i want to call him eugene because he looks like a eugene but his name's like probably dave it's david it's something really plain but like he just looks like a, a kind of a hip little nerdy boy. Like, yeah. stylishly nerdy, but he acts like a Revenge of the Nerds nerd. Yeah, he does the Robert like, Carradine laugh. You you want to smoke some weed? Weed? You, yeah, and, and he's like a total pervert. Like He's, he's, he's trying to fucking skeeve on her while driving, and then she blinks him out of existence, and he never comes back. Oh, yeah, she he's in the man. void. He's dead. She killed <laughs> David him. David is dead now, and honestly, I think the 
world might be better off. That guy sucks. I think his corpse is lost in space somewhere. He's just floating in the ether. Yeah. That sucks. It's, it's like the uh, the total recall thing of just like his face expands and explodes. <laughs> just like, oh, sorry, David. Yeah, he, he's Don't de- be a pervert. He's dead. You killed Randa's cousin. Like, damn, <laughs> Louise. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but Louise does have this like secret outfit that she changes into at the dance that is super like 80s hip and fashionable. And it's like, girl, you own these clothes already. Just you want to wear them and be like this. Just fucking wear them. Again, I think the implication, because this movie has a lot, it has stuff that it implies, but doesn't explicitly state. I think the implication is that her parents want her to dress conservatively and they would not let her wear the like loud, fashionable things she would like to be wearing. But that also doesn't work because everything we've seen about her parents is that they're super loving and supportive and they just want her to be happy. Maybe. So it's just maybe this is like that maybe. insecurity that you have as a kid where you're like, my parents would never go for this. And then you're like, mom, can I do this? And they're like, yeah, that sounds fine. And you're like, oh, that went way better than I thought it was going to. Yeah, I think I mean, maybe that's what's happening possibly, here. Possibly. I mean, we again, we might just be overthinking this, but like she could just be internalizing things and really hyper fixating the way that she thinks that Randa is specifically trying to ruin her life. She's yeah. like, well, my parents have never like said, hey, why don't you dress more fashionable? So I think <laughs> they would be disappointed in me if I did. Yeah, that's that's okay. That makes a lot of sense. And again, we are overthinking a movie that is not meant to be thought about this intently. I, I wonder how this movie scans if you actually watch it under the assumption that you have never seen a teen movie. Right. <laughs> it's probably Bizarro World. It probably makes so little sense because I think so many things are shorthand. Mm-hmm. And... One of those shorthand things is that we know that Louise is incredibly smart. She's kind of the bookworm. Um, part of why she gets to talk to Brad is because, you know, he needs help studying with, I think, English is what he has issues with. Um, or it's math. I don't know. I don't fucking know. They're studying and she removes all of the chairs so that in he her bedroom has to sit on so the that bed. he has to sit on her face. <laughs> I mean, her bed. <laughs> She's going to do witchcraft magic. And she also straight up tries to do a spell in front of him. And he's like, what are you doing? Why are you just saying weird shit? Right. And then she's like, don't ask. Here's a chair. Like, so she gets She gets cold feet. Yeah. It's... I don't know. Maybe that speaks more to her character is that she got cold feet for that, which is why, like, maybe that's why she doesn't want to go ahead and wear, like, loud outfits in front of her parents. Yeah, she that's gets, true. She's like, I'm going to do it. I bought the clothes. I'm going to wear it. And I'm going to be like, this is me, mom and dad. And then she's like, mm, I couldn't really do it, though. Yeah. I mean, she also, we we see her when she's doing a scene with him in drama club. And she does a really, really good job. But then she doesn't, not only does she not get the role, she doesn't get any role. They're like, and Louise will be the costume mistress. <laughs> like, If only they'd done the Tempest. Because then everyone gets the titular role. <laughs> There you go. There's a callback for you. <laughs> yeah, it is so silly of kind of the logic in this movie, but we do know that Louise is a bit insecure and uh, her little brother, uh, played by Joshua John Miller, this is his second appearance. This is his second appearance on the show because for those who do not know, the little brother in Teen Witch wrote The Final Girls, mm-hmm. um, one of our very early episodes. Um and his character is just fat little brother. Like, he's an asshole. He's also super gay, which, like, Joshua John Miller is also gay. So this tracks. Um, and the way that he bullies Louise is, like, <laughs> he's, it's so faggy. <laughs> like, it, it is. Well, especially because he's he's a little snotty he's, in function and in how he sounds. He's like, you're a dog. A dog. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just like, no one's going to go to the dance with you, Louise. And mm-hmm. it's like, all right, Your chill friends out. aren't coming. Can we just eat the cake now? Yeah, every, like, he, he's hiding under beds, eating cake. He's like jonesing. Under her bed. Okay. That's how this movie opens. Which, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. We go ahead and put this into our Roku search bar. And we're like, oh, we're going to watch it. It's on Pluto. We go to watch this movie, get through the whole opening credit scene where it's playing like the music and it's like a music video. A lot of scenes in this are shot like a music video because it's the 80s, of course. And then it starts playing, um, we think in Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, why is Teen Witch playing in Japanese? I'm very confused. And then we went and watched it on like Tubi because that had it in English. But it was weird that it defaulted to that. So these two are yelling at each other in a different language. And I was, I had not seen this movie. So I'm like, is this normal? Is this part of the witchcraft? I'm See, confused. we've kind of broken a lot of our apps because we watch so many martial arts movies, I it, think is what happened. That's, honestly, that is probably exactly <laughs> what happens. Like, I was just watching Wheels on Meals the other day on Pluto. So, mm-hmm. like, you know. There's a, I think that's what happened. There's a, there's a very good chance but that yeah, might it was, the case. It is really funny because, yeah, our introduction to him is eating cake under her bed. Um, yeah, he's constantly eating. Like, every time you see him, he's eating. And mm-hmm. that is such like a, well, we have a fat character. What are we going to do? Give him a twin. Like, that's just, it was the 80s. Um, But yeah, he's such a little queen about everything when he's mad at her. And it's really funny. She turns him into a dog. Um, and the, the dog voice is just really funny. It's like, oh my God, I'm a dog. I mean, it's a very <laughs> panicky little dog kind of voice. Well, it is a little dog. So. I think that's why most little dogs, like, that's what their internal monologue is like, where it's like, everything's huge and I'm so small and you pick me up and it's like, I'm on a building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, oh God, it's so ridiculous. You are an unbelievable pig. I'm rubber. You're glue. Whatever you call me sticks back on you. No, I'm rubber. You're glue. Whatever you call me sticks back on you. You think you're hot stuff because you went to a dance. Dreamer, nobody wants to date you because you're a dog. A dog. A dog. (gasps) Hey, I feel funny. Can't stand up. You are standing up. I'm a dog. Louise. What'd you do to me? Nothing. You, you. Nothing I can't fix. It was just a mistake. I can fix it. Look at me. Oh my, look at all this hair on me. I even smell like a dog. Oh, Louise. Richard, I gotta Richard. get out of here. So Louise has a best friend. Um, she is named Polly. As and I thought she was the same lady who was on Roseanne. I was wrong. That is not Sarah Gilbert. She she looks a lot like her. It's the hair. It is the hair. Yeah, no, this is Mandy Ingber. Uh, She did a lot of acting in the 80s and 90s. Um, She pops up every once in a while now. She's now like a professional yoga instructor. So you can like take classes online uh, with with her, which is kind of cool. So growing up, I always thought Polly was like a great best friend. Like, you know, they are both in like the same social status on like the the high school hierarchy ladder. Um, She's also not afraid to call Louise on her shit, which I really like. I love a friend who's like, you're being a dickhead Um, because I think we all we all need that friend in our life. You thought that she was a Heather Matarazzo type in Princess Diaries, Mm -hmm. but she kind of isn't. No, She's, she's a bit of a jerk. Polly's not actually that good of a friend. Like, as I was watching, doing this rewatch, where I'm like, oh, no, you are, like, really upset about a lot of things with Louise, which on some hands I can see, because Louise does kind of just, like, 
fuck off um and is like i'm popular now screw you um so like that happens and i definitely understand being upset about she does that. not have to forgive her Correct. however but however um Polly was also like late to Louise's birthday because she had to get her like a last minute gift because she didn't <laughs> she waited to the last minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> like she has to call her from a payphone because it's like, hey, uh, I know that I made you think nobody's coming to your party, but like anyway, I got the dish on what's happening and where everyone is. Though I'm not sure how many people were gonna come to her party anyway just saying i don't see her hanging out with anybody else in this movie yeah so my theory on this is the reason they didn't know about randa's party until day of is because they're not in the same social circles so you're not gonna know about that party because you weren't invited to it yeah so that's what i think happened is like then they find out oh there's a party so of course they internalize it as like oh it's because i was having a party it's like no they were just two parties happening because these social circles, like, the, these streams don't cross. Yeah, but, like, something that is, I think, worth noting is that I think this is one of those, like, an early example of, like, an eighth grade type depiction of, of school mm -hmm. where she's not bullied, she's ignored. Yeah. Which is a very modern way of interpreting, like, how a lot of girls exist through school, which is like, oh, I don't even think about you. Because there are nerds in this movie. There's a lot of nerds. Mm -hmm. They are some stereotypical Big glasses, mouth-breathing, weird, like, socially awkward nerds. Yeah, like, it's the just one of the guys keeping a lizard in your pocket nerds. Yes, we have, like, some intense nerds in this movie. And they are seen as beneath mm -hmm. Louise and Polly. Louise like, and Polly are in, like, the Romy and Michelle category. They're, like, in their own category that's just yes. kind of, like, set aside out of anyone's periphery so you don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. So I think that, like, we weren't trying to, like, ruin your birthday. We weren't even thinking about your birthday. We didn't even but know it was your birthday. We didn't actively <laughs> go out of our way to uninvite you or not invite you like some of these nerds in our school. Yes, that's very true. Um, so, yeah, Polly is also, you know, she doesn't know about Louise's magic or, like, what's going on with this because Louise doesn't tell her. Mm -hmm. And... She does make a lot of, like, really aggressive assumptions about Louise when things start changing, which I get. She's feeling left out. She doesn't know why her friend is suddenly ignoring her. I get that. She's lonely. She she has no responsibility to forgive her friend for being a dick. Right. Because Louise, you know, starts ignoring her. People start dressing like her. It's becoming a thing. And because Louise doesn't tell Polly about the magic, she doesn't acknowledge, like, the changes. It's like, yeah, isn't it weird? Like, everyone's just, like, dressing like me now. That's so weird. Mm -hmm. And so Polly is like, something is very clearly up, and I'm not being informed. This is bullshit. Which is why when, you know, Louise tells the actress, hey, break a leg, and then she actually breaks her leg, Polly's response is, what did you do, pusher? And it's like... That's a bold assumption for to make on your friend, Polly, but eh, I get it. <laughs> There's I mean, a lot of high emotions going on here. It is, and also, like, I don't know. Again, you could say that these two are, like, internalizing everything and making stuff more dramatic in their head than it actually is. Yeah. I feel like so much of the implied drama doesn't exist. They're just fabricating it in their mind because mm -hmm. their lives are boring and they're trying to come up with excuses for why their lives are the way they are. Totally. Which is, like such a teen thing and it's such like an adult who didn't grow out of a teen thing where like I'm gonna subtweet this person that I'm mad at and they and the other person's like who are you why are you mad at me <laughs> like <laughs> related but not but a friend of mine was going viral in like not a good way on Twitter the other day because oh, people yeah. were just like dunking on her it was really ridiculous um but she is somebody who's like really not online like she works in spaces but she's not 
online. Like, she's not chronically online the way that a lot of us are. She pops on professionally to do what she needs to and then pieces out, which is a much healthier way to exist I online. I fucking wish I could do that. that. That's kind of what I'm aiming for. That's what I strive for. Because the whole time I'm watching this happen, I'm like, I'm watching so many people just say horrible, mean things on the internet. This is so awful. I, like, didn't know what to do, and I didn't know how to, like, approach the subject. So I was like, hey, just letting you know, like, if people are mean to you, like, it's on site, and I am definitely in your corner. And she was like, yeah, I just really haven't noticed much of it. I don't really spend time online. And I'm like, I cannot imagine, like, being what is essentially, like, the main character of film Twitter and not acknowledging it and not having to deal with it and just it it's going on over there, but that's not happening here with me. These are two different worlds, man. Fucking amazing. I was like blown away. I'm like, I just need to never be online. My life would be so much happier. Yeah. What was the thing I said to you yesterday, which is like very functional, very similar to this, which is like, get out of your head. It's sick up there. Yeah. You would get out of your head. It's sick up there. And I went, oh, fuck. Well, it's because we were talking about something and I was like, people, they got... They got head disease. And you're like, what is head disease? What is that from? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I think I was trying to say brain worms, but I went with head disease. But I'm like, I don't know. You're, you're sick. Your head's sick. Get out of your head. Yeah, but it's very good advice because you're right. It is sick up there. Like clinically sick up there. There's a lot of medication to like keep that manageable up yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, get out of your head. Get offline. Like it's easier said than done sometimes. But like, yeah, totally. you know, like it's, it's something to just keep, keep in your mind. Just, yeah. Just like be like have a post-it note of like, oh, that's right. Okay, good. Yeah, fine. <laughs> so there is one other main lady in this movie, and it is the incomparable Zelda Rubenstein as Serena, Madam Serena, mm-hmm. with the seashell on her hair. Because for some reason. Sure. Um, you know, really wonderful random happenstance that Louise happened to run into her right before her 16th birthday to discover that she's a powerful witch. Like, great I mean, timing. That's the fate of magic. I know that's like, the implications that it was fate, but these... it is very convenient. Okay, so <laughs> here, here's my opinions on Madame Serena. I don't know if I fully trust anything she says at any point in this movie because she is clearly a grifter. So it's really pick and choose on what you want to believe that she's telling you. She is a magical con artist, and I'm kind of obsessed with that. Yeah. Like, I love that this movie makes no like no bones about it. They're like, oh, yeah, Madame Serena uses her magic for selfish reasons. And it's um, like, you know, if you have it, fuck it. Would this Why be not? before or after Miss Cleo was exposed? This is before. Okay. Like way before. Gotcha. Because yeah. I don't I don't have any concept spatially of what time Miss Cleo exists during, but. We, like 10 years from now is when she'll get busted. Okay. Yeah. So man, we were fucking having this conversation like 10 years before that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. There's always going to be grifters. There was a person back in Cleveland who I know like went on their Facebook and they're like, I mean, I do tarot card readings for money professionally, but like most of the time I just tell people what I think they should hear. So it's like, you're not even doing the thing that you think you're supposed to be doing. You're pseudoscience. You're just lying. You're lying about a thing that has no factual standings. What are you doing? Um, So like, I don't know, this thing I guess has always sort of exist because I mean, it's, it's faith-based. You just want to believe it. Mm -hmm. Like, see, that's the thing that people don't like to hear because everybody associates faith-based with like. Jesus religion. No, you just put your faith in something. But it's no, that's it, literally the definition of faith based. Is like if you genuinely believe that the stars or whatever is assigning this to you, that is still faith based because you are putting your faith in that it is true. Yeah. So, so, like, I think the implication, at least from 
Madame Serena herself is that these two are best friends who have existed as best friends for hundreds of years and they'll be reincarnated together at some point. Mm-hmm. That's, there, there's, there's paperwork that yeah, says... Yeah, there's, there's a whole book. That says that's true, but also she is like using this girl's powers because she's Madame Serena's old, I guess, and her magic is winding down or something like that, which mm-hmm. in my brain... I feel like generally you're a more powerful witch when you're old because you have experience, but I guess not in this world. Yeah, Debbie Reynolds is the most powerful witch in Halloween Town because she's the oldest. Yeah, I don't know. So just Madame Serena's not there, but she is using this child. She's exploiting the labor of this child. (laughs) To counterfeit money. To make counterfeit money and get a frog boyfriend and get a much nicer, arguably significantly uglier house. Yes. I love her original house. I don't like the redesign. I know it's supposed to be like, it's like 80s 80s and modern. It's like whenever I watch the Brave Little Toaster and you see like the modern appliances and like their modern apartment and I'm like, this looks so ugly. I hate it. Yeah. The only modern house that I like in my modern, I mean like 80s modern is the house from Terror Vision. I fucking love oh. that house. Well, that's because I that has color. I die for that house. Most of these modern houses that you see and stuff like this, which is much more honest to what it is, is it's like, it's a bit of gray. Gray and pastel. Past, not even pastel sometimes. It's just like gray and maybe like a dusty rose that's closer to a beige. Well, to be fair, you're also colorblind. So I don't think you see the pastel the way that I do. I don't do. know, man. I'm, th- <laughs> I'm thinking of like the one lady's apartment from like They Live. That Roddy Piper holds her hostage in her house, and I'm like, oh, but it's like, yeah, it looks nice, but it's ugly. Yeah, that's true. Like that's that's the thing I'm thinking of, like up in the Hollywood Hills. Okay. Like that that's that's an '80s apartment to me, like like American, like a Patrick Bateman. Yeah, like American apartment. Psycho. It's like that's so modern, white and gray, very yeah, clean, yeah, yeah. straight lines, minimal color. It's blah. Yeah. So anyway, I don't I don't know if I fully trust Madame Serena on anything she says at any point. Like I. Th- I think she ch- likes this child and genuinely wants to give her good advice. But also, there's incentive for her to be nice to this child and not have her have a meltdown because, like, if she's happy, she'll listen to you and you can get more out of her. So this, I don't know. This is very true. But I also just love Zelda Rubenstein and I would Oh, be she's like, spectacular. I'd be like, oh, you want to counterfeit money? Yeah, let's go. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. If she was upfront about it, I would have a lot more respect for the hustle. I mean, she's pretty upfront about it because like, if you really think about it, she's like, oh, you magical girl, I want this. Help me. And she's like, okay. And like they do, like the, they make the 20. It's like, you want to try hundreds? And it's like. She's impressionable. Well, I'd rather talk about this boy I like. And she's like, all right, fine. We'll talk she, about this boy you she's, like. She's. She's being upfront, but she's not explicitly stating something. That's and true. we have already learned that you need to say things to these teens. Otherwise, they just create their own scenarios in their heads. That's a very fair point. So, like, I think I would respect Zelda Rubenstein's hustle in this movie a lot more if she was just like, hey, you want to be rich? <laughs> like, let's just help. Let, let, dude, let's just get money. We'll be so much better. You don't need magic to have friends. You can buy friends when you have money. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> so, like, and it would just be, it would be just as unreal and fake friendship as she ends up getting with magic. You know, that's true. And so I love the way that the popularity thing happens and, like, how the magic is incorporated. So there's they're, they're set pieces with the magic. So the first one, obviously, is that she yeets that guy into the void with magic mm-hmm. and almost gets in a car accident. Um, so that's that's fun. Um, we have the big showdown with the teacher where she makes essentially a voodoo doll of the teacher and 
for whatever reason, decides I'm making my teacher get naked in class in front of everybody. I mean, in a different movie, it would be like, cool, man, I'll have him get naked so that he gets fired. He doesn't get fired. And he doesn't. He just goes, oh, it's just real hot in here. And then he just keeps his job despite stripping down in front of an entire classroom. It's one of the very many weirdly adult things that don't belong in this very young movie. My favorite part of that, though, is uh, after Richie wipes his ice cream, cake hands, whatever he's got going on on it. And then mom is like, oh no, Louise worked so hard on this. Well, we've got to clean it. And then she puts it in the washing machine. So then the real teacher ends up in the car wash. It is some stupid shenanigans, but it makes me laugh really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it, that. It, honestly, <laughs> I feel like that scene, it's like in my brain in a different universe, this is Steve Martin doing this bit. It is such a Steve Martin bit. Like it, it just falls underneath that. Um, so the other like big magic set piece is they go to the concert. And also, you know, she turns her brother into a dog. Yeah, she turns her brother into a dog. It wears weird. itself off. It's fine. Yeah. Water also wears it off, but it did it kind of naturally maybe. Yeah, sure. water can like cleanse magic the same way that it can cleanse paint in the world of SpongeBob SquarePants. It's like that's kind of the functionality yeah. here. Um, oh, no, there is another magic one. Uh, her teacher, Miss Malloy, played by Marsha Wallace, who is the voice of Edna Krabappel in The Simpsons, R.I.P. And, and you were trying to be like, this is maybe the most famous teacher in all of animation. And I'm sitting there going... I don't know who this person is. And you're like, listen more. And I'm like, okay. And then you say it and I go, who's that? I didn't watch The Simpsons. I always forget that you were not a Simpsons kid. I, I just didn't watch The Simpsons. I'm So I had no idea. So yes, uh, she's Miss Krabappel. Oh, also um, this 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 theater teacher is the one who gives her the amulet that apparently she needs. Yes. Which we didn't even mention. It's an heirloom. It's an heirloom. <laughs> How much does it cost? It's an heirloom. <laughs> We just finished Freaks and Geeks over on the Patreon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she she ends up getting Miss Malloy like a sexy like Latino boyfriend. Um, and then she quits teaching and goes to live her life. And that's just what she does now. the world in like the French Riviera or wherever. Yeah. Hell yeah. Get it. Yeah. Um, so that's good magic usage. Um, and then, yeah, so there's a big concert scene. Um, and it's Shauna is her name. Shauna. Shauna. Um, and she gets a jacket, like a tour jacket, and that's how she gets to be popular. I mean, it's a pretty cool jacket. Um, I love the music of her. Uh, she's like Paula Abdul meets Taylor Dane, and that makes me very happy. But I feel like she's channeling more of like a Tiffany. Definitely channeling a Tiffany. She is She is an amalgamation of every late 80s pop star. She really is. She doesn't have Paula's dance moves. No. Um... And that's okay. She doesn't need to. She's just... Few people have Paula's dance moves. That was what Paula was known for. That's why Paula got to be Paula, because you, you can't you can't dance like her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she she gets the jacket, and that's what helps her become popular, which is, you know, cool. Well, it's um, because she's, like, essentially siphoning off the cool of Shauna. Mm-hmm. They, need a, they need a personal object. It's, it's sort of like, I guess the spell is similar to, like, what they were doing with, like, the voodoo doll sort of right. thing, where it's like, you need a personal item in order to channel the energy of of Shauna and mm-hmm. become cooler and then have people drive by you in cars and sing songs about how cool you are while also rapping occasionally. Sometimes rapping about how you are the most popular girl in school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, her fashion and her hair get major upgrades after the popularity. She looks pretty cool. She looks so fucking awesome. All yeah. of the costumes in this, her, oh my god, her curl pattern, just unbelievable. She's not... As cool, though, as Randa. 
That's no me. one's as cool as Randa, though. Her hair's not as good. I'm sorry. Sometimes people you just sometimes you just have born with better hair. <laughs> like you can style it all you want, but you just don't have that cool Malibu Barbie hair. Yeah, like the feathering on Randa's hair, like is art it's in my so opinion. Good. Like people and love like it bounces and then it pops right back into position, so it's like it's not crunchy and stiff. Like people love to shit on the '80s, which like we all should. There was a lot of bad stuff there, and we should never. It's, it's glorify- the decade of excess. Yeah, and we should never glorify and glamorize decades unchecked ever. Like that's. That's what we're seeing right now with like Gen Z being like, I want to live like it's the mid 2000s and be an emo kid. And we're like, you might want to Google some of these lead singers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of children go like, hey, there's this band called Mindless Self-Indulgence. They're really cool. And I'm like, please don't. <laughs> please don't. I am upset at how much like I loved that band. They you wrote good shit. should not listen to this band. No. You do not need to go down this rabbit hole. God no, damn it. No, you don't. So like you don't realize how bad it was. Like. I, as a person who didn't grow up in the 80s, I'm sitting here going like, yeah, that hair looks so good. It's so beautiful. I mean, it's what put holes in the ozone, but it looks <laughs> awesome. But it's one of those things where like, you know, people mock 80s fashion quite a bit. And people also like to imitate 80s fashion, especially 80s hair. And a lot of people never get it right because they just backcomb it and rat the shit out of it. And they're like, look, I'm like the 80s. And they it's do like, no, more no, of like no. an 80s hair metal kind of hair. Yeah. This, this is this more is, finesse. Yes. Like it's huge. It's teased, but it's also shaped like, oh, my God, it's artwork. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And people don't appreciate this type of 80s hair because they just want to make fun of it. But it's like, no, no, no. This is really hard to do. And yeah. people did that every fucking day. And that's yep. impressive. And put some respect on that. You become the most popular girl in school because everyone just goes like, fuck man. How did she do that? (laughs) I'm just marveling at her hair. I can't stop looking at her. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Louise gets, you know, a taste of popularity. It obviously gets out of hand. People are showing up at her house, like they're goddamn paparazzi. Mm -hmm. Um, And it becomes really unmanageable. She has wildly seductive uh, moments with Brad in like an abandoned house where everything is shot like a softcore porno complete with sexy sacks. Yeah, um, there's a lot of sexy sacks in this movie. (laughs) Why is there so much sexy sacks in this movie? (laughs) Because this is how you know this movie is not for 12 year olds. This movie is for refined teenagers because this is some fine. These are some fuck jams. (laughs) (laughs) Refined. But like they're going to go fuck in this abandoned house. You're gonna get splinters in your butt. We're gonna Don't be, be like riffraff. That. Like there's Ugh. there's clearly bugs in there. There's absolutely bugs. There's one hundred percent asbestos. <laughs> yeah, the not the most romantic place, but the drives are very nice. You got wind in your hair. It's yeah. beautiful. Like driving around like Los Angeles is beautiful. Like once you get out of the city, there's some really gorgeous places, and they they you know go on these little drives, and it's mm-hmm. nice. And they talk, and they talk like people. But she obviously realizes. Does Brad like me for me or does he like me because he's magic enchanted? Which is a question that I wish the craft would answer, but they don't. It's fine. Um, Maybe next year for sequel month, we'll do the craft legacy and we can really bring our craft thoughts come full circle. Yeah, maybe. Because I feel like I have grown. You're not as angry. I mean, I'm more focused. I've refined my opinions on the craft. No joke. I think about this all the time. I wonder how many people listen to our show and start with the craft for the first time because they love that movie, hear us be not super positive about it, and then go, 
fuck these bitches and never listen again. I mean, it certainly doesn't help that we did that and 10 Things I Hate About You, which most people consider one of the all-time classics. And I'm like, I don't think I like this movie very much. Yeah. I'm so upset about people being mad that I don't like this movie that we had to take a break and come back and finish recording later because I was upset that people were going to be mad at me. Yeah, yeah. It was like the fourth episode. <laughs> it's fine. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I I think that in terms of its morality... With this thing, it, it it asks the questions more directly because it has after school special vibes. A little a little Saved by the Bell vibes. Oh yeah. So like that's kind of like the aesthetic and the way it handles its lessons. So I guess it's more direct than than the craft and leaves it open to less interpretation, mm-hmm. which is both good and bad. Mm-hmm. So eh, this is also not a rated R movie. So, you know, you kind of need to bring it down to a little bit more of an understandable level because you're not going to have quite as many older people watching it. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. So she ends up giving her powers back to Madame Serena. And uh, so another thing, too, is we learn through Madame Serena that Louise is connected by magic through her dad because it's like Miller, Miller. And like, you know, that's when you find the book. Yeah. Her dad, Dick Sargent. Um, That's the actor's name. That's not a joke. That's yeah. just his name. Uh, not as good as Dick Warlock uh, no. from the Halloween franchise Dick and Wolf. a lot of things, or Dick Wolf, but Dick Sergeant pretty fucking good. Yeah, Dick Sergeant's good. Also, if you look up the trailer for this, I specifically wanted to watch the trailer because it's a good habit to have been doing context and seeing how this film is promoted. The trailer's like Teen Witch, trailer number one, 1989, whatever. Dick Sargent movie. And I'm like, dude, he is so not a really big character. Is he really the biggest name that you put him in the title? <laughs> or is it just like, I don't know, his name's Dick Sargent. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a good fucking name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so that's how she's connected to the magic. But she does give it back to Miss, to Madame Serena because she's like, I don't want I want people to like me for me. I don't want them to like me because of magic, which is, you know, a good moral for anyone to have. And then surprise, surprise, Brad actually does like her. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I like about Brad is that he is one of those unattainable popular boys, but I actually understand the appeal of this guy. In a lot of these movies, they don't give me anything where I'm like, you just like him because he's cute or because he's popular and therefore you think you're supposed to like him. He's the jock, so he's the most popular kid in school because he's the jock. Right. But Brad is more than just the jock. He's the jock, but he's also in theater. He also is receptive to poetry in class. He's just genuinely a nice person. Uh-huh. Like, he's nice to Louise even before the magic happens. He's genuinely nice to her and, like, speaks to her like a human fucking being. He's polite to her when they read her embarrassing love poetry to the whole class. Yeah, he could have been such a dick about that, and he's not. He's, like, laughing, but his laughter is so clearly, like, this is really awkward for both of us, Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry. And, like, I like that. I like that I actually get why he's like this. Like... (laughs) In a different movie, so maybe this is just my high school, but like when they pull the thing out, it's covered in like chocolate because of her brother. And oh it's just God. like, ooh, why is it sticky? And in my high school, everyone would be like, why is it sticky? <laughs> right. <laughs> but he doesn't do that because he's like genuinely a nice guy. Yeah. Um, and something fun to to know is that there is a thing that goes viral every once in a while um, where people will say that Polly and then the guy who plays the the lead of the rapper, the one who's the Beastie Boys rip off. So funky. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, they met on this movie and because of the song, they got married, blah, blah, blah. That is not true. Um, but what is true is that uh the guy who plays Brad Powell, Dan Gauthier, um, 
probably spelled, said that wrong. And then uh, Lisa Fuller, who plays Randa. Um, and Lisa Fuller is in like a ton of stuff. She's also in the Monster Squad. Uh, she's in Nightlife. Oh, yeah. um, they're married. They're still married. And based on an interview that I watched with uh, Robin Lively, uh, they, I think, own an acting studio wherever they live now, which is really cool. Um, so, like, kudos to them. Congrats. Yeah. They met on this movie, and Robin Lively did not get in the way of their love. No, she did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, I don't know. He's He is has more going on than most love interest boys, and I do yes. appreciate that. Yes, he does. Now, we won't be disturbed. Now, where were we? Oh, yes, yes, sit down, sit down. <clears throat> Lothan, Nalphalon, Athenona. What? Ceranum, Smonificum, Etolian, Brad Power. What? I wish that Brad Power would... What do you wish? <sighs> Never mind. <sighs> so, a couple fun facts that I learned in doing a little bit of research, because there's not really a lot of research about... This movie. Nothing people aren't doing deep academic dives on Teen Witch? No, I think like we might be the closest thing to it right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but things that I learned that I thought were really fun is that one, uh, this is shot at a high school in Glendale. Uh, so it's not super far from us. And we've like driven past it before. And there's there's just... a lot of things that get filmed in Glendale. It's weird. I think then it's... again, I think a lot of things probably get filmed in most neighborhoods in Los Angeles. That's true. I do everything think... has a story. I do think that because Glendale like looks like a neighborhood, you can kind of use it as an avatar for anywhere America. It's kind of like how Pasadena gets placed to be the Midwest all the time. Just because it has grass that Just, looks halfway decent. <laughs> yeah. If, um, if your grass looks good in Los Angeles, you're the enemy. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. It's like I could go visit the Teen Witch High School. And then everyone would be like, hey, adult, what are you fucking doing at this high school, you weirdo? I just want to be the most popular girl in school. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of fun. But the thing that I was like, oh, wait, no, this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so at the top of the show, we discussed that Robin Lively is part of a, you know, acting family. Um, I learned that part of her gift to Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds when they got married is that she and her brother Eric recreated Eric, Eric, uh, recreated the final dance scene uh, from Teen Witch at their wedding. So she had the amulet because she still has it. She got like it's a blue. After all. It is an heirloom. She had like the blue tube dress and the tutu. They did like the weird like formal hand position. They had the song. They they did the dance at their wedding. And I guess everybody thought it was a fucking riot and they were cracking up. And I'm like, you know what? That's great. That's I, really great. <laughs> I love that. I also love the fashion choice of like Louis really just wants to wear a tutu over a skin tight dress. That, Don't we all? That's her look, which I feel like in terms of costuming, it's like, here's the 80s dress that's actually cool, but it's like, that's a little, that's a little tight. Let's try and distract from it just a touch. Let's throw a, mm -hmm. let's throw some tool over it. Yes. <laughs> and here's the thing. I love that look. Uh -huh. I think it's a good silhouette on just about everybody. Um, it, it, I like it. I'm not mm -hmm. going to judge her. <laughs> So I think we're kind of winding down on Teen Witch because, again, like, this movie... This movie is about as deep as, as it is. Yeah, it's not a deep movie. And honestly, I think it's kind of ridiculous to 
try to pretend that it is. Like, we probably could have just been like, you know, actually, Madame Serena is manipulating a young teen girl, and this is uh, about the dangers of having friends outside of your age group. Like, no, we're not I, getting into that. I want to have a discussion about the fact that Louise and her family live in a very large house, and this is about the victimization of white women during the Reagan administration, where they're not really the victims. Yeah, fucking right. Like, we could do that. <laughs> I'm like, that, but is, that, that is... is so much more work than this movie really necessitates. No, like, it doesn't, because that is not not what's fucking happening here. This is a goofball, stupid fucking movie that is so dumb that it's great and so bananas that it's great and that's why we love it and trying to add any of like additional commentary is ridiculous um, because that's not what this movie necessitates. Mm -hmm. um, so on that note, Teen Witch is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, a maybe, or are you buying her ticket so she can go on her own? I think that this is one of those films that is about four to eight hundred percent better if you grew up watching it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, unlike you showing me other like sick day movies that you watch because they were on TV all the time, like Troop Beverly Hills or something, or like The Next Karate Kid, where it's like, oh no, that has like an intense emotional arc that I love, or like the absolute like masterclass of physical comedy that is Shelley Long and Troop Beverly Hills. This movie doesn't quite have those that that big thing that grabs me. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's real 80s. It's real weird. It's real adult. It's also not a musical, but really wants to be because everything's filmed like a music video and it's strange. Um, I think that watching this as an adult for the first time is amusing, but not overly enthralling. Mm -hmm. It's more it's more of a of, of a mystery. I'm mm -hmm. studying this movie <laughs> as going like, wow, uh Really? Uh, okay. So, <laughs> I don't want to cheapen the enjoyment of everyone else and their nostalgia. I'm going to send it on its own. Mm -hmm. If this was on... She I can conjure up her own ticket. She'll oh, be yeah. fine. If I was at home and, like, you were like, I just threw on Teen Witch, it happened to be on, I'd be like, cool, I'll sit down and watch this for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to put it on. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I think that that's a fair assessment. Um, Actually, better than I thought it was going to be for me. I, I thought you were going to be go, like, nope. nope. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's amusing. I'm amused. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that we finally got to talk Teen Witch, and I'm glad that you finally have seen it outside of the top of that rap, which really is so stupid and great. I mean, my like, favorite part of that is that, like, Polly is clearly embarrassed to have a crush on that guy. She is. That she's guy like, who's got like a Adam Devine workaholics energy to him where he's just like a fucking clown. Yeah. But she's like, who do you have a crush on? It's like him. And it's like, I know, I'm so... Uh, like, the rappers are not cool. They're no. clearly embarrassments. But somehow they're considered kind... Like, they're funky. They're kind of cool. Like, they're funky I, if you're uncool. I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's, you know, using the Romeo Michelle. That's the B crowd. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Just this movie is so ridiculous. And I love it. And I can't help that I love it because it is truly ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <sighs> well, friends, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at This Ends at Prom. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok that I don't really use at BJ Colangelo. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. Also, like, my voice warmed up so much over the so course did of mine. this. <laughs> like, just listen to me at the beginning of the episode versus now. I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to tackle the day. 
Like we're halfway through the day, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> uh, and as always, thank you to the Sounder Moms for allowing us to use title as our theme song. Sounder Moms are on tour. Uh, so if you don't follow them on social media, you should go do that and see them when they hit a town near you. They're coming to Los Angeles. I know. I'm so excited. I'm going to try to go. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to get to it. put the horse before the cart, but maybe we'll run into some people that, you know, like the show out there and be like, yeah, oh, yeah, hey, I found yeah. them because of y'all. So. That would be so good. We'll see. <laughs> uh, and Harmony, what band do you want people to check out this week inspired by Teen Witch? So I get recommended music actually by some listeners every once in a while, and I love it. It's... It, it, Sharing music is like a big like love language for me. This is why I this is me saying I love all of you and I like it when you share things with me. So this band was actually recommended to me by big fan and all around cool hot person Roxy Rosalka. Yes. So the band I'm shouting out is Doom Flamingo because Great I needed name. such a good name. I needed something that sounded like the 80s, like extremely 80s. So this is sort of synthwave, got a little funky, but also it's like rock, it's a little bit of a jam band like Doom Flamingo's a lot of different sounds together, but all of them sound very 80s. Um, if you've listened to Nightlife or maybe like something a little more in like the bouncy up-tempo way of like Tupperware Remix Party or Twerp, this is kind of in that vein as like a comparison, but like they're really their own thing. They have an album they released earlier this year called Peaches and Bobby. Bobby is spelled with an I. It's a great listen, but all, they're one of those bands that like everything they release is pretty fucking fantastic, so... You know, you really can't go wrong. But like, as far as the newest release is concerned, I'd say give that one your support right now. Beautiful. All right, friends, we will see you next week. And as always, save that last dance for us. Okay, bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.